Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. This week on the show, it is week three of our month of money milestones. Today, what are some milestones to set for yourself in the decade of your 60s? As your retirement date closes in, the important decisions you'll face and how to make them. The Get Ready for the Future show starts right now. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome in to another October Saturday morning all across the state of Arkansas. It is the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you with us once again. My name is Scott Inman, and to my right is John Shrewsbury. To his right, Janet Walker. And we'll be joined in the next segment by Ryan Dietrich from LPL Research to talk a little markets and the economy. And then later in the show, Stephanie Smith, who has recently come on board as a social security expert for us. We have a jam-packed show today, to say the least. We hope you'll stay with us for the full hour. But we always kind of start during football season talking about the Razorbacks. Yeah. Woo pig. Okay. Yeah, they're they're start they're, <laughs> as we speak. Once again, it's another eleven o'clock kickoff in Fayetteville. So as we speak, they're on the field, warming up, getting ready for Tulsa. Uh, but I think that what happened last weekend at War Memorial Stadium, as we generally find a way to make transition into our topic today, when you think about where we're talking about today, guys, and we're going to be spending our time in the decade of our sixties, right? right? This is what Chad Roller refers to many times with our clients as the fourth quarter. Yep. You've you've been living through the first, second, third quarter of life. You've in the third quarter, hopefully you've been preparing for the fourth quarter. When you arrive in the fourth quarter, you got to finish the game. Yeah, I'm wondering if Chad has any <laughs> eligibility left. Uh could yeah. could we get him out on the yeah. field? He's a former quarterback for Bologna <laughs> High School, so I am thinking it's been that, a day or two. You know, after uh, Ty's story got tattooed there at the uh, in it, toward the end of the game, uh it was pretty much over yeah. uh at that point. But uh yeah, the fourth quarter is very critical and the analogy or the connection here to retirement is you got to finish. Mm-hmm. You can play this game well all the way through the third quarter. That's right. And if you don't finish the fourth quarter then you've got some real problems yeah this should not be a concept we have to explain in depth in the state of arkansas we understand fourth quarter losses and uh we would rather you not have that experience in retirement. And just like at War Memorial Stadium, you can have this whole crowd of fans around you going, hey, you're going to retire. Everything's going to be great. You know, let's let's get this thing done. But if you don't make the right moves, if you don't do the right things during the fourth quarter of your life, as far as retirement is concerned, you could have a mediocre retirement or you could have a disaster. You could have a meltdown sort of like the Razorbacks did. Well, and, yeah. and, and, you know, just like in the, in the game, I was sitting – out there in the game, I weathered the storm and, and everything. You are a real fan, by the way. I, I'm impressed by that. Well, I, you know, I, as I am with the other 55,000 who did that. And, and part of it, let me just say, is I'm tired of people in Fayetteville saying that, you know, our, you know, we're not going to show up. And I was going to be on in those stands if there was a tornado going down Markham Street. Didn't <laughs> Sold matter. Sold out, by it, it was going to, <laughs> it was going to happen. All right. Be that as it may. Uh, you've got to be able to finish and you've got to be able to weather the storms that are going to come your way in retirement. We've been talking about the perfect storm yeah. uh, that could be headed toward the current retirees, the, the folks that are heading into retirement with the end of a bull market at least in sight, and the rise in interest rates. Those two things coming together can create some real problems if you don't have the proper strategy. Well, and specifically to what we're talking about with the Razorback analogy here is specifically last week and in recent games, they've had the lead in the fourth quarter. And that's when you when you talk about the perfect storm. They've done what they needed to do to be prepared for the yes. fourth quarter, but it was where where it fell apart was when they had the lead and the time was running out. And and that's I think where the decade of your sixties, that's a great place to start talking about. Absolutely. And and when you're headed into retirement in your sixties, Janet, one of the things that, that you've got to do is you've got to recognize that you've got to play the game differently. And you're headed toward that that point in time in which you're going to to begin taking retirement income. 
as opposed to accumulating retirement income. And that's not just a one-day transition. That's about a five to 10-year transition that you need to be preparing your portfolio to be able to take income, especially in a volatile market. You know, we've talked so many times about that transition from uh, from building up your assets, from accumulating to distribution, that it's very much like changing games. And we talk about football on here a lot, but if you've been playing basketball and then you start playing football, the rules are very different. You know, a dribble then turns into a fumble, and what was good then works against you in retirement. And, and it is absolutely the same when you're talking about taking income in retirement. We believe it is a fundamental part of your overall retirement to have a game plan, a written plan for you to be able to withdraw income because it is a different set of rules. So let's unpack this a little bit. We're going to have Stephanie Smith on the show a little bit later today to talk about Social Security. Social Security is the footing of the foundation of your retirement. Social Security is very critical. There's a lot of moving parts to Social Security. It's one of the reasons that we brought Stephanie on to the GenWealth team. Her experience of 27 years at the Social Security Administration here in Arkansas in Hot Springs has given her a lot of knowledge that we want to be able to pass on to our retirees and, and be able to be sure that you take Social Security the right way, you take advantage of the program. So that's, that is the footing, Scott, of the mm-hmm. foundation. And then you've got to look at, you know, what are your essential income needs in retirement? What is it that you, your essential expenses? What is it that you're going to spend every month, every year of every uh, of your entire uh, retirement period? How much money do you need coming in every month to pay the basic bills? And you've got to address that issue first. And when you are in your 60s and you're going to retire, you plan to retire in your 60s, that's when it all really comes into a very clear picture. Because I do think it's hard when, I mean, I'm 45 years old. It is hard for me to think about in 20 years what my required income we talk about sure. is going to be. What are my expenses going to be? But by the time you've reached your 60s, you have a pretty good idea of whether you're going to be entering retirement with a mortgage, whether you're going to be entering retirement with a car payment and for how long and when you're going to need a new car. And those types of decisions are really in clearer shape. And you have to come up with that number first what are you going to have to have? Because it's never going to be okay if X amount of dollars on a monthly basis is going out of your bank account, that X amount of dollars is not coming in your bank account. You're right. And and things happen And in your 60s. I was speaking with a client the other day, Janet, that he was telling me just out of the blue, he said, you know, I almost lost my wife uh, about three or four weeks ago. Uh, she came down with this, this dread disease. And, and it was, you know, one of these things that just jumped on her very quickly. And she was in the hospital for a long period of time. And he said, you know, when those things happen at this stage of life, you begin to look at things very differently. It's absolutely a wake-up call to just draw your attention to, frankly, decisions that, given the opportunity, you'd probably go back and make them, you know, years ahead of time. It is so important to take the time to have those conversations and not take things for granted. So as we look at these milestones uh, in in the uh, fourth quarter of your life, what are the things that you need to be thinking about? What are the things that you need to be doing? I will tell you, there's a lot of noise out there. There's yes. a lot of misdirection, if you will. If you want to talk about uh, football a little bit, there was a lot of misdirection yeah. uh, that Ole Miss was throwing at the Racerbacks in that fourth quarter. If you get thrown a misdirection play, you got to be ready for it. you got to be understanding, okay, what is it that I need to do to be able to overcome this challenge that I've got. And I think that's where we as financial advisors can come alongside and guide you through some of the complexities of this particular time of the the decade of the of your 60s yeah. as you head toward retirement. I think if you're listening today and you're in your 60s, certainly last week in the markets probably affected you in some way emotionally because of the uh, correction that took place. Of course, we rebounded this week, but market volatility has certainly returned. And if you're looking at your investments on a day-to-day basis, you're you're maybe uneasy. Well, we're going to talk with Ryan Dietrich uh, with LPL Research on the other side of the break to talk a little bit about putting that market volatility in perspective. And where are we going from here? That's when the Get Ready for the Future show continues in a moment. Join us for one of our live events in your area. Go to getreadyforthefuture.com slash events for a calendar. 
More of the Get Ready for the Future show after this. Life can be so busy, it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. On the radio side, coming up in just moments, we'll be conducting our interview with LPL Research's Ryan Dietrich. And we're going to spend an awful lot of time, John, talking about market volatility because it's returned, because it has hit the headlines again in the last 10 days or so, uh, some, some corrections in the market. And I think even uh, from anybody's seasoned, even if you're a seasoned investor, when you get lulled into the lack of volatility that we've been experiencing for the last few months, when it happens, it is a natural mental step to go, is this the big one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. And and that's kind of like if you're in California and you start feeling a tremor, <laughs> yeah. you wonder, is, is this going to be earthquake? You know, is this going to be buildings falling down and that type of thing? And the good news is, is that there is really no indication that this is headed into a recession. Volatility, yes. Recession, not so much. So the thing that we look at here at GenWealth is the uh, re- recession dashboard. And that recession dashboard dashboard is made up of several components. One of them is the ever popular over index. Now, recessions really are driven by overspending, over borrowing and overconfidence. And Scott, as things stand right now, we are in what I would call a mid-range on that index. We're not near the danger zone. The danger zone on that index is 75. We're sitting at about 47 right now on the index. Now those components, overspending, over borrowing and overconfidence, they have been trending upward. But one of the good news uh, that that come one of the pieces of good news that comes out of this spate of volatility is that volatility can actually keep overconfidence in check because obviously if I'm an investor and my portfolio is going up, my 401k plan is going up, I'm feeling really good about the economy. I'm feeling really good about the markets. Maybe I get a little overconfident, uh, overconfident about things. Maybe I go out and spend a little bit more. Maybe I go out and borrow some money on the prospects that I'll be able to pay it back because this economy is doing so well. When we have these pullbacks in the market, when we have these uh, corrections in the market of 5 10% or so, that tends to be a bit of a wake-up call. And it's a bit, a bit of a thing of, of saying that, you know, this is all not sunshine and rainbows. Well, one of the things, too, one of the reasons we like to rely on this over-index is because of its uh, historical measuring stick. Going back to 1984, it has looked at those those it's a compilation of those three things overspending overborrowing overindex into one number and if you look at the last three recessions going back to the early 90s the early 2000s and then the 08 uh, financial crisis each time that over index was at least 75 or greater. Yeah, that is a pretend of a recession. And so obviously we are below that now. So we feel like that, that yes, there is the possibility of a recession coming in the next year or so, but really no indication of it in the short term. Scott, one of the other things that we look at on this uh, dashboard is the five forecasters. Now, let me be clear. It's very almost impossible to really predict when a recession in a bear market is going to hit every cycle is different but we believe that the five forecasters which are the treasury yield curve uh, the leading economic indicators the market breadth that's uh, that how wide is this market rally uh, at some particular point in time the purchasing managers index and also market valuations right now everything is green on that dashboard with the exception of market valuation that remains yellow and this correction could actually have a bit of a positive effect on that as well it, yeah, it might even be a possible reason as to why it's happening. That's right. Because people do, investors get a little worried when those valuations get high. So over-index in the low range, medium to, to low range at this point. That's it for the fastest four minutes in investing. Back in a moment. 
Stick around. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after this. From the studios of the Gen Wealth Radio Network, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. It is time once again for our monthly interview, monthly chat, we'll call it, with Ryan Dietrich, the senior market strategist for LPL Financial, who is always good enough to jump in on the Get Ready for the Future show with us. And he's via phone line this morning. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, guys. How are we doing today? Well, it sounds like we've got a little bit to talk about today. Uh, it's been kind of boring, and then all of a <laughs> sudden, do. out of the blue, <laughs> here we are. A lot of volatility has hit us. No, you're right. I mean, it's funny. I've come obviously been coming with you guys all year. In the last couple of months, we've kind of talked about, hey, you know, the market looks good, and things are really slow. You know, expect more volatility, and we finally got it. And here's some ways to look at this. The S&P 500 actually just had its least volatile third quarter since the early 60s. Now, historically, that third quarter is normally your most volatile quarter. So what just happened was really, really rare. And then look at the calendar. We're in October. October is known for many things, specifically spectacular bear markets, I guess. But at the end of the day, when you get into it, October is really just a volatile month. And in the, the last 20 years, October has actually been the best month of the year for the S&P 500. So mix it all together. It was a nice run, surprise summer rally. Now we're in the fall ahead of the midterms, and boom, here, came the, here comes that volatility. Well, Ryan, let's kind of lift the hood uh, a little bit and talk about why this volatility is, has just suddenly uh, raised its ugly head with things going as calmly as, as they should. If you're a passive observer of the market, uh, this kind of was a, a big shock to a lot of people. John, you're absolutely right. It sure was. Now, you know, why did the volatility just start, you know, about a week ago, approximately? I mean, that's the big question. Now, there's a combination of things, right? The trade issues are still there. The trade issues haven't gone away. Also, we're seeing higher yields. Now, historically, higher yields are usually a good sign for the economy, but it's been a while since we've seen that. So the higher yields have definitely kind of concerned and worried people. Also, earnings season, which we can get into a little more later, there are some concerns about this earnings season, peak profit margins, peak earnings, a little bit of apprehension. You mix all that together in the stew, and then the fact we just had a really boring period, all of a sudden people kind of woke up and just decided almost to get a little worried one day. And that's kind of how markets go. I mean, again, we went three and a half months without a 1% move up or down on the S&P 500. Then we had four out of the last five days recently. So it's um, kind of interesting how that happens. And again, it's not one specific reason for it happening, but there are always concerns out there. And that's kind of what's got us in a rocky situation so far the first, you know, first couple of months of October at least. Ryan, uh, October obviously leads us into November, which every couple of years means some type of election. And at this point, we're looking at midterm elections. We know that Q4 of, of midterm election years and then the following Q1 and Q2 are some of the best returns that we've seen for stocks historically. Uh, given what we've just looked at in terms of volatility, I, I got to think that a lot of people out there are wondering what we might be looking at moving forward. So address that for us in reference to the midterms. Absolutely. So clearly the midterm election is a big deal. We know it's all over the news. Markets are kind of waiting for it. And the thing we talked about here at LPL Research just recently, if you look at some of the previous big, excuse me, big well-known elections, think Brexit and think the election in 2016, we had market weakness ahead of those big events. Let's talk about November 15 just for a second, the presidential election. The S&P 500 had a nine-day losing streak right ahead of the election, one of the longest losing streaks in history. So, you know, then what happened? Well, the election came up. Uncertainty was out of the way. Positive fundamentals took over, and we know the market obviously rallied. We see a similar situation potentially now where we had we have six months in a row as we're speaking. You know, potentially could be lower in October, and that's fine. Uh, but again, some weakness ahead of a well-known election, and then those positive fundamentals that continue to drive us and have gotten us here are still in place. But, you know, I kind of like to say like this. What's the best friend for the bulls here? Well, Fundamentals are strong, but it's also the calendar. Like you just said, the fourth quarter of a pre-election year, where we are right now, the fourth quarter is actually the strongest quarter out of a four-year presidential cycle. So maybe a little weakness in October, perfectly normal, get the election out of the way in November, and then let those strong seasonals take over. The next year, obviously the um, pre-election year, year three of the presidential cycle, 
that year hasn't been down on a total return basis since World War II. So again, you know, think about those things. Doesn't mean you have to go up, you know, 20, 30 percent. You're going to have a modest, you know, 10 to 10 percent gain, which is kind of I think what the camp we're in for next year, which will be mainly driven by earnings. But overall, the calendar really will support this bull market along with those strong fundamentals over the next 12 months or so, in our opinion. Ryan, before we leave the the, the subject of volatility, I, I want to refer to a, a tweet you made earlier this week about the average yearly peak to trough correction for the S and P. You said yes. said it's fourteen percent. So just kind of from a historical perspective, in positive years. Uh, it is not all that unlikely that we'll see a pretty sizable correction. Absolutely, and that's a great point. We just discussed that actually in our recent weekly market commentary. And the bottom line, like you said, to trough, a 14% correction is average going back to 1950 for the S&P 500. There have been many years where we've had 15, actually 20% corrections intra-year with the S&P still finished green. Now, the thing that's important to note, the years where we saw large corrections, by large correction, I'm going to say 15%, the peak trough throughout the year, where the year didn't finish positive, took place during recession. Again, we are not in a recession now. We've had a, we had a 10% correction at the start of the year, as we all know, in early February. Another pretty good pullback into April. We just had about a seven. We're in the midst of about a seven percent correction as we're speaking here. You know, maybe you could go to the second ten percent correction, but let's take, let's just remember this: the average year has about four five percent corrections. The average year has about one to two ten percent corrections. So, really, what we've seen this year might feel abnormal because we haven't had a lot of volatility for a while. But it's actually pretty normal in the whole in the whole factor of things with this volatility that we're seeing. It's just been so long since we've had volatility; it feels uh, feels strange. But if you look back in market history, maybe a little more weakness here could be perfectly normal. The second 10% correction this year could be perfectly normal. Then those strong seasonals could play us out, and we could still maybe hit double-digit returns uh, for stocks on a total return basis when 2018 is all said and done. That's kind of the camp we're in here at LPL Research. Ryan, part of the volatility has been sparked by all of the talk of, of trade and, and the you know, trade wars that uh, has been discussed. But oftentimes, as is the case with a lot of things in this current administration, the bark sometimes is way worse than the bite from what I would observe. And and I, that's got to be playing somewhat into this uncertainty, doesn't it? No, we have a great point there. We absolutely think so, John. So, you know, when you talk about the, the trade wars and the trade tariffs, clearly, you know, really, does anyone win in the trade war? I guess, you know, the general consensus is probably not at the same time. U.S. markets were making new all-time highs about two weeks ago, whereas China was down over 20% from its highs. So obviously, we're kind of in a little more comfortable uh, point of view. But our stance has been all year, I've probably talked to you guys about this before, the benefits from fiscal policy, specifically the tax reform, some of the deregulation we're seeing in financials, those are magnificently more um, impactful than the negatives from the trade tariffs. So yes, there are negatives from trade tariffs, absolutely. But the positives on the fiscal front are really still firmly in place. And that's kind of why we've continued all year, really, to say, hey, this is a bull market. This is a long economic cycle, yes. But, you know, we're looking at 20% earnings growth in the third quarter. We'll talk about that in a second. Earnings growth continues to be strong, and that's what's driving us. And all in all, the fiscal policy is still in play, and we still think this bull market, uh, he might be old, right? But he's got a few more tricks up his sleeve, in our opinion. Ryan, the, the trade worries uh, notwithstanding here, there there has been some uh, information out there recently kind of highlighting some concerns about a global economic slowdown, maybe not in the United States yet, but but maybe in other areas of the world. Is Are there places that you see and LPL research identifies as some 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 cause for concern? Where Where is that happening, if at all? Sure. No, it's absolutely happening. You know, the one area of the globe that we all year said we just really aren't too warm and fuzzy about is Europe. You know, in the developed world, European markets overall, their earnings growth is still positive this year. Let's get that straight. But it's still not quite as strong as in the U.S. and in emerging markets. And you still have the issues with Brexit. So overall, European markets, uh, you know, most of them are red for the year. Actually, most markets around the globe are red for the year except for the United States. But when you talk about developed markets, one area we see a lot of potential for some strength is Japan. Japan, look at the Nikkei. It's gone nowhere for decades. The Nikkei is actually breaking out of a long base. We see some positive fundamentals of what Abe is doing in their economy. We're starting to see a little bit of inflation coming out of uh, Japan, which is a good thing. They haven't had inflation for a long time. So really in the developed world, we like Japan. 
definitely still like the United States. And emerging markets, it's a scary world in emerging markets recently with all the scary headlines, had a 20% correction actually recently. But you're looking at about 10% uh, emerging markets growth this year, 15% emerging markets earnings growth next year, which should lead the, lead the world better than um, Europe and the United States. So emerging markets is another area we definitely still see opportunity. But the bottom line to answer your question, Europe is a concern of ours, but it's an area we've also been underinvested in all year, and fortunately that's kind of played out. We still think, still think that could be the case uh, into next year as well. So let's circle back to elections for just a moment. I, I know that in presidential election years, we've talked so many times that the, the markets just look for an answer. It doesn't really care what the answer is, Republican or Democrat. It just looks for an answer. So there's volatility going into an election, and then after it, it comes out smooth sailing most of the time. In midterms, how do we feel about whether or not the the House and the Senate are in the same party, in the same majority party as the president? Does it matter, or are we, again, just looking for an answer? Yeah, at the end of the day, I think we're looking for an answer. You know, you can you can get some bullish time periods one way or the other. If the economy's strong, which we think it is, that's, that's a good thing. But here's one thing to think about. Now, what I'm making a call here at LPL Research, this is what most Washington insiders say, you know, Republicans will keep the Senate and lose the House. That's called a split Congress. Obviously, we still have a Republican president. The most bullish scenario for stocks under a Republican president in history is just that, a split Congress. So it's kind of that checks and balances that our forefathers, uh, you know, wanted. And potentially, if that were to happen in November, that could be um, definitely, you know, a more of a positive for stocks in general. And then again, let's just get the election out of the bottom line, get the election out of the way, keep the economy going, led by very, very strong earnings. And we still see the bull market continuing, though. Ryan, we're uh, almost out of time. As always, we thank you for being with us. And as always, we always like to give you a chance to plug the uh, social media places that people can can follow you and LPL Research. Well, thank you. The time goes fast, doesn't it, guys? It well, does. It really goes fast. It was fun. But So I am on Twitter, at Ryan Dietrich. But also, the thing I do want to plug for a second, we just started the podcast. John Lynch is my boss, our mm-hmm. chief investment strategist. Um, it's called LPL Market Signals. And you can find that on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And it's a podcast. It's been, we've done maybe seven or eight of them. been very well received. Just John and I talking markets. It's a lot of fun. So LPL Market Signals. Be on the lookout for that podcast. Very good. Ryan, thanks as always. We'll talk to you again in about a month. That sounds good, guys. I can't wait. Talk then. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. More where that came from after the break. Tired of the commercials? We are too. Now back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Talking about money milestones today and in the decade of your 60s. We've been doing this all month long in the month of October, if you've been with us. What to think about in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Your 60s is the subject of today's Get Ready for the Future show. Next week, we'll be talking about some things to look out for in your 70s. So as we talk about those money milestones, if you missed any of those earlier broadcasts, go check us out on podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. They get ready for the future show always up there at your convenience. Do want to remind you, too, about some upcoming Gen Wealth Academy workshops. We have one just around the corner on Tuesday. If you're listening today north of the river, if you're in North Little Rock, Jacksonville, Conway, Cabot, there's an opportunity for you to go close to home at the Saddle Creek Wood-Fired Grill in North Little Rock at 6.30 on Tuesday. That's October 23rd. We will be talking about the three big risks. What are the three big risks to your retirement? If you listen to our show often, you know uh, maybe what some of those risks are, but we're going to be talking about the three big risks you'll face and some possible solutions to Uh, take on those challenges in retirement. So that's October 23rd at 630 at the Saddle Creek Wood-Fired Grill in North Little Rock. Just go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com to sign up. And then the next opportunity in Little Rock happens on November 11th. That's not that far away either. 630 at the Crown Plaza. The 10 things you need to know before you retire. We like numbers around here. Three big risks, 10 things you need to know. Either way, you can sign up at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. And at both of those workshops, the Scott Inman is going to be hosting. Who's the Scott Inman? (laughs) That that would be you. Is that my first name? The and Scott's the middle name? Yeah, Scott is middle name. Okay. That's that's 
Uh, as to at least how you're referred to in the marketing department. That's right. Here. The so, Scott and We need to redo my business cards. <laughs> it's not on there. So speaking of Gen Wealth Academy workshops, and if you've never attended, they are always free. They're always education focused. We're not there to sell you anything. You are not obligated to do business with us. It is absolutely a, an opportunity for you to learn. And when we speak of the opportunity to learn, there was a big opportunity last week with a big crowd in Hot Springs. Absolutely. We uh, had a packed house in Hot Springs. Thank you to everyone who came out uh, for the Social Security Workshop. I think it's the first Social Security Workshop we've done in Hot Springs. Had a full house. And and the biggest thing of all, Janet, was our brand new yeah. uh, team member here at Genwell, Stephanie Smith, actually uh, had her expertise on display. Yeah, she got to make her speaking debut with the Gen Wealth team. And, you know, there were people who drove as far, uh, remember this is in Hot Springs, drove yep. as far as coming from Hensley to go to Hot Springs just to hear Stephanie talk. And Stephanie, I got to tell you, I think you knocked it out of the park. Uh, we had great responses, great questions. I really think you, you did a, a fabulous job. And, and we're just excited to have you on the team. Well, I'm excited to be here as well. I was very pleased with everyone, their response in the audience during the workshop. People asked questions, and I was glad to answer any and all of them. You know, we learned uh, a couple of things about uh, how to do one of these things uh, the other night when we were uh, engaging in this, and because the questions just kept coming. And I think I remarked to the team after the meeting is, you don't get a ton of questions when we're talking about retirement, but you throw Social Security out there, and everybody has got a question. That's true. They have a question and they have a story to go along yes, with they that. Do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they, sure, they certainly do. And so as we get into these milestones and what have you, Stephanie, I, I want to lean on your expertise today because so many people come up to us or come into our office and say, either when's the best time for me to take Social Security, or they say, I can't take it until such time. That just really does point out the vacuum of knowledge that is out there uh, that people just don't really understand the system. Correct. That's true. Um, Social Security is a very complex issue. Um, it, it doesn't hurt to start investigating, looking at things several years ahead of time. You know, look at those benefit earning statements, um, go online, request your earnings through the years, you know, be aware of those numbers, start looking at things early on. So Stephanie, today we're talking about retirement milestones and we're focused on in the 60s, what are some things that, that people need to deal with in their 60s? And, and we believe that one of the most important decisions they're going to face is what to do with Social Security, whether to claim it early, to claim it late, whether to use some unique claiming strategy that they might not have even known existed. Tell us about your experience because you worked with Social Security at the administration for 27 years, but then you you came in and got your personalized plan that included a social security strategy, and you were actually surprised by what was in there. Uh, true. Uh, we were shocked, honestly. Uh, my husband's worked for the state. He's going to be entitled to a state pension. I worked for the federal government. I have a federal pension. So it totally surprised us when we got our analysis that it showed it really recommended for both of us to take social security at 62, whereas... You know, I would expected it would have suggested we wait later. So we were both fortunate as a couple to have those pensions and have that income. Um, we have saved already some. We've been fortunate to work and, and invest that money. So each plan is different. You know, just the main thing is talk to people. You know, be aware of things. Don't wait to the last minute to make these very critical decisions. And I think this points out that each situation is different because the pensions that you guys have, the budget that you have, your actual budget was being met by your pension income. And you really didn't have to have the Social Security income later in life to, to deal with longevity issues because your pensions are inflation adjusted and things of that nature. So it's just a different set of circumstances that, that prompted us to recommend a age 62 uh, inception of social security, but you could take a completely different situation where mm -hmm. somebody has no pensions and a lot of 401k and IRA money, and that recommendation could be completely different. True, true. Um, here again, I hope you don't mind me going back, but one of the things you said is budget. Yep. And honestly, one of the hardest things that my husband and I had to do as a couple was to 
sit down and set a monthly budget. And we were very diligent. And I can promise you for five years, it pained me and I dreaded it every single month doing that weekly budget. But that has been the most useful tool for both of us to get on the same page. I mean, it's unfortunate how many times I talked to a widow at Social Security and they had no clue what to do. You know, here again, my husband is the saver. I'm the spender. The easiest thing for me would have been to let my husband take over and handle all of the money. But these days in time, both people need to be aware. You know, you need to be actively involved. That would be a very good idea that I would suggest. Scott, I'm going to swerve for just a second, but I can't let the show go by without really talking a little bit about what Janet and I did last week. Uh, We actually spent a week with uh, the Ramsey Solutions team, Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave Ramsey and and his team. We spent the week with them in a a workshop that we were working on a lot of uh, what he calls entree leadership issues. But we had the opportunity to actually go over to their office there in Franklin, Tennessee. And in their office, Office, it was so impressive that they have these whiteboards up in their office and they have people that have gone and signed those whiteboards when they became debt free. They came in and did uh, their patented debt free scream that yes. they do on, on Dave's show and everything. But, uh, you know, when you actually see this long, long hallway of whiteboards and hundreds and hundreds of names, and, that, and they're and they're all throughout every space of every building that yeah, they have. They're all over the yeah, place. Yeah, there are eight hundred employees in this organization, so it's a big building. But I think that that's a hallmark of uh, the the budget process is that you budget in order to be sure that you manage your cash flow, but you also budget in an effort to become debt-free. And being debt-free in retirement is a milestone that we like to see happen with people. Now, obviously, if you've got a big mortgage, you know, you want to try to attack it before you get to retirement and pay it off either before you retire or soon after you retire. And that gives you a lot of freedom there. But definitely, you want to try to be free of those consumer debts. And that is certainly something that we attack in the retirement income plan if retirement is not imminent in the sense that it's not happening tomorrow. If you've got a couple of years, three or four years, you'd be very surprised when we build out a debt elimination plan. We usually use the debt Mm -hmm. snowball. How quickly you can get rid of some of that debt. I just did one for for somebody that had a significant uh, amount of debt, and it's about a three-year process. If you snowball that debt, and that is a perfect example of why if you're thinking about retiring at 65 and you come in to see us at 62, 63, there's a lot of damage we can do attacking that debt before you reach retirement. And guys, let's connect the dots here. If you connect, if you uh, attack that debt and get that debt done before you actually retire, that could actually affect the claiming strategy that you yes. have Absolutely. on Social Security. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, some, yes. sometimes we've had people claim early because they needed to pay off some debt or because they needed to build up savings. But if you already have that done, then there's not a need to claim early and you can delay and take a larger benefit over your lifetime. So let's talk, Stephanie, real quick about just the basics here. When people get their Social Security statement or, or benefit estimate, they'll see those three numbers, basically, right? There's, a, there's the earliest you can get it, the full retirement date, and then the delayed number. What impacts that? What's the formula for how those numbers change? When you think about the 8%, I think it's the if you wait and, and you get a delayed benefit at 70, there's, there's going to be an opportunity to get more income. True, true. It does increase Honestly, it increases month by month. A mm-hmm. lot of people don't realize yeah, that. I don't and think they so do. I was mentioning last week at the um, seminar that we did, there's a, a tool Social Security has called a benefit matrix, which if you want to know a month by month, if you maybe are retiring in the middle of a year or some odd month and you want to know, it'll break it down month by month between 62 and full retirement age for someone. And it also We'll break it down from full retirement age to age 70. So that's that's a useful tool. You know, it, it's not a particular age. It, it goes up in monthly increments, actually. And, and here's a shameless plug for our process. The Social Security Analysis Program that we have mm-hmm. actually can uh, be very granular and look at yes. a, a you know a particular day or month that you're going to retire and say, okay, this will be your benefit based on what your full retirement age benefit is projected to be. We can do a lot of massaging of the numbers, Scott in the retirement process that we put together at GenWealth, the ready-to-retire process. 
So you get that debt elimination. If that's the goal, that's a money milestone in your 60s to to wipe that out ahead of retirement and then decide on that retirement date. And that is oftentimes dictated by that benefit, that Social Security benefit. And if there is enough guaranteed income for for most people, that's all you're going to really be having. Stephanie mentioned she is fortunate enough to have a pension. Some people will have a pension. But if Social Security is your only source of guaranteed income, then we have to take a look if it's going to be enough. If you think back to the the last segment, we talk about required income. Is it going to meet your required income need? And if it's not, what's next? So a couple of things there, money milestone, get rid of debt, analyze your required income need, and if Social Security is going to be enough to meet it. Talk a little bit more about money milestones in your 60s right after this. Your retirement should be more, more than just investments, more about you, and more Get Ready for the Future show. Stay tuned for more. You've got questions, we've got answers. Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, location, and question to get a response on the air from the GenWealth team. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. I want to make a quick correction to one of the GenWealth Academy workshop dates I mentioned earlier in the broadcast. The 10 things you need to know before you retire is not November 11th, but a November 8th date at 6.30 at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock. November 8th, 10 things. See, it's too many numbers. 10 things you need to know before <laughs> you retire. 6.30, November 8th at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock. Sign up at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. And don't forget about the one in North Little Rock, the three big risks. What are the three big risks? To your retirement, October 23rd, 630, Saddle Creek Wood-Fired Grill. Come join us. By the way, Space Limited there. It's a it's a, a private room at the Saddle Creek Wood-Fired Grill, so only a few spots left there. So if you're thinking about coming, you'll want to reserve your spot right now. Only a few days left until that workshop. So we've been talking about money milestones in your 60s. And just to recap, we talked with Ryan Dietrich earlier in the show. So part of those money milestones is getting an assessment of your portfolio. Is it prepared for that perfect storm that we believe is brewing somewhere out there in the Atlantic? We don't know when it's going to make landfall, right? But we know it is likely going to come in your retirement years. Preparing your portfolio is a big part of what we do here. Getting a Social Security analysis. What is the right claiming strategy for you? If you have debt that you need to get rid of before you enter those retirement years, we can help with that. All these things, John, we're talking about are part of the GenWealth Ready to Retire process. It's part of building that plan for you in retirement. Absolutely. And that process is very well honed and crafted over many years of actually sitting down with clients and understanding the dynamics of of what's going on. And of course, today in the studios, our our social security person, uh, Stephanie Smith, she has spent 27 years helping people at the Social Security Administration, retired from there, now part of the GenWealth team. And Stephanie, I think sometimes we we think about special situations with Social Security, like a, a widow or a divorced spouse or something of that nature. But really, almost every situation is a special situation because of how variable the, the system really is. True, true. Um, You're an individual, you could be a part of a couple, you know, all of those little individual things make a difference. A lot of older people are having adult children that they're caring for or younger children. They're having waiting later in life to have those kids. And so you could be retirement age and have a minor still in your home. That can make a difference. I want to ask you about something that I've seen as a trend over the last, uh, let's say, 10 years or so uh, as we sit down with people. I'm seeing an awful lot of late in life divorces. And oftentimes that can be pretty devastating, uh, especially if you have, uh, let's say, a spouse that didn't work and they don't really understand what their options are. Did you deal with a lot of that at at the uh, administration office in Hot Springs? Sure, sure. Um, Anytime someone is unmarried, but they had a prior marriage that lasted over 10 years, Um, you're potentially eligible on that record or the spouse is eligible on yours. It doesn't affect a current spouse if you've remarried. So don't think you're going to be hurting another person out there by trying to file 
for those benefits that you're possibly due. Don't be ashamed to, to come and check those types of things out. And so, Scott, uh, the GenWealth Ready to Retire process actually brings in the expertise of someone who's had 27 years in the Social Security business, if you will, of helping people with their their claiming and, and knowing the ins and outs of the system. It brings into uh, uh, the picture Chad Roller, who is a, a well-seasoned uh, advisor in terms of uh, protection insurance, uh, issues like long-term care and that Mm -hmm. type of thing. It brings to bear investment expertise. It brings to bear planning expertise. Janet, it is a true process that we go through because retirement is a big deal. It has got to be more than just investments. Yes, we do believe that your retirement should be more. And one of those things is more informed. We, We believe that you have to take it upon yourself to learn more about retirement and retirement income specifically. And as we've stated a lot today, one of the primary factors in your retirement income is Social Security. It is a huge decision, and we believe you need to be well-informed. And Scott, shameless plug here. Uh, Janet and I have got a book coming out uh, mid-November. Uh, it's going to be available in in bookstores. It's going to be available online like at uh, Kindle and, and uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, all of the online books. Uh, books that you can download and we'll have that it is called your retirement should be more and it really was generated out of a conversation that i was having with charlie skinner our advisor in the eldorado office when he was talking about he had encountered someone that told them that they had their retirement taken care of because they had an account at xyz firm Mm -hmm. and i said charlie you got to understand, you got to make them understand that retirement is more than just having an account. There's a whole lot of stuff that if they just have an account and that's all, and they think that's all there is to retirement, they're missing the boat. And he said, you know what? You ought to write a book about that. And that's <laughs> what we did. Uh, we actually challenge accepted. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Took a while to get it done and, and everything. Cause we had so much that we were trying to say in that book and trying to make it a very easy read, but I think we've done that. So mid November, that book should be available. We'll talk to you more about specifics of that as we get closer to it. But Janet, it has been a labor of love for us. It absolutely has. We're, we're uh, pretty excited that it's almost done, yeah. waiting for it to, to be in print. Reminds me of when I was waiting on our kids to be born almost. You know, it, was, <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a kid. <laughs> yeah, it is a kid, definitely so. So a couple things before we, we run out of time today that I want to hit, and we, you touched on this a little bit, having Chad Roller as our insurance specialist involved in this process, the GenWealth Ready to Retire process which includes the social security analysis. It includes a debt reduction schedule or elimination plan. And then it also takes into effect when we build this retirement income plan. You hear us tell tell you this on the radio a lot. Retirement is essentially an income problem. We are solving for an income for you in your post-work life. Insurance premiums can play a part in that, either current ones that you have that you'll need to carry into retirement or an analysis or evaluation of do you need what you have had for 20 or 30 years or do you need a different insurance solution? And healthcare costs also play a big role in that. As well. Absolutely. We uh, had an opportunity to sit down with a client this past week and, and he was talking about that he's spending well over $1,000 a month on life insurance at this point in time. He looked at me and said, with the money that I've got built up in my retirement plan, I really don't know that I need this life insurance anymore. And I said, well, let's talk a little bit about what other options you may have and we began to talk about long-term care and the, the, the fact that, yes, you've got assets, but if you have to utilize those assets to drain away and, and they're drained away to be able to pay for either you or your wife's chronic health care problems as you get older, then what the question becomes, what's going to be left for right. the spouse? What's going to be left for the kids? And what you've got to do in terms of long-term care is you've got to think about it as a buffer that protects to some extent the wealth that you've been able to accumulate over time. So we look at exactly that. If we if you estimate what the cost might be if you do need care, and if you look at the average time on claim, it easily gets into a good little six-figure number that would be needed to provide for somebody's care, especially if they're not able to stay at home. But even in the time that they're able to stay at home, it can get pretty expensive pretty quickly. So the question is, do you have enough to self-pay, or are you at a point where you don't have enough to pay any of it, or are you, as most Arkansans, in the middle of it? 
where you could probably pay for some of it, but if you had to pay for all of it, then you're, you're putting your spouse, especially the surviving spouse in a position where their retirement moving forward after you're gone or even while you're still in care is not what you had planned for it to be. It's a lower standard of living because you had to use too many, too many of your assets to pay for care. That's the reason insurance exists. If you have a need that you cannot meet otherwise, then that's where you rely on insurance. And let's circle back with with Stephanie on this. Oftentimes, Stephanie, we uh, think about what our current income need is as far as retirement is concerned when we approach Social Security. But one of the things that we discussed at the workshop the other night with the the crowd that was there is the fact that sometimes you've got to think about that surviving spouse because where the higher earner plants their flag in terms of when they claim, that really does determine what that uh, spouse is going to get in terms of a survivor benefit, considering the fact that most uh, most women's benefits are are lower than men. So when the men decide to claim, uh, that dictates how much they're going to get. And if they claim early, then they're really kind of setting it in stone for how that spouse is going to have a survivor benefit. It, true, exactly. One thing is if, if a family, a couple doesn't have a lot of savings, then, and you do want to protect your wife and make sure she has a good monthly income, then that husband probably does want to wait later to file because his benefit by him waiting, that does help her have a higher benefit. If she's over full retirement age, when he passes away, then in essence, her benefit becomes what he's receiving at the time he passes. Scott, when you think about all the things that we've talked about today, I can imagine that uh, if somebody's sitting there listening, their head's kind of spinning. Sure. And and that's okay because the solution to that head spin is to come in and sit down with somebody that, that has a clear eye view on, on what's going on because we think that it's incredibly important to have a holistic look at your entire uh, situation, not just focus on Social Security, when can I get the check the earliest and how much can I get and that type of thing. It's a much bigger picture than that. And that's the emphasis that we put on the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process, because walking through that process uh, makes sure that we touch on each one of those areas and really does give that global view of what's going on. So milestones in your 60s, a Social Security analysis, debt reduction plan or elimination if it's not already in place or it's not already gone. An insurance analysis. Your needs change as you develop or you get closer to retirement into your 60s. And don't forget about the income strategy. How are you going to turn your assets in from accumulating into distribution? It's all part of the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. If you'd like to learn more, pick up the phone and call 501-653-7355 for a complimentary first appointment with a Gen Wealth advisor. 501 653 7355. We're out of time on this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Join us next week when we will talk about milestones in your settings. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. 